In the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Bible states that place. so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Awesome I pray that you are Come blessed by what you are about to hear or listen to. He can move this is a Kingdom Christian Fellowship Ministries presentation. Stay blessed. Hide me from the rain. My God is awesome. I get to be super. You understand? Who has a question? Who has a question? Who has a question? Okay, yes. Peace. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. <laughs> um, you are welcome. <laughs> um, this is a question that has been on my mind for quite some time. I've been asked this to people um, on Sunday. So, um, if there's someone, right, who has, uh, permit me to say, tried being a Christian or tried being devoted to God, but the person didn't see, the person didn't understand, right? And as you said, that's like understanding the purpose so that you know where you are going. So the person didn't understand. So the person's gone back to the world. And then the person, if you talk to the person, the person says that, oh, I know that eventually I'll come back. Right. <laughs> and like that's that's a bad thing to say. But my question is that I don't understand. Like <laughs> Yeah, how do you help? Because like ah, you're telling me that you know what you're doing is wrong. And you know that eventually I'll come back. So um what do you do or what do you say to the person if you don't just want to leave the person and say, Okay, the Holy Spirit will deal with you? It's like what do you like, how do you handle it? Who can answer? Okay. Let's, let, 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 let's, let's Reverend Robin start. Reverend Robin start. The reason why I want to answer the question is because there was once a point of a time in life I was that person that she's talking about. There was a, you know, when you, are, you go to the church and God has the power of God manifest and all that. What when the person goes into the world, what will he tell them? You get it. And they know that that they are in the world. Because I knew I was in the world. I was aware of what I was going through. And it was sweet. Because in the moment, it was numbing the pain that you thought God had, had abandoned in solving. Most of the time when people are doing that, it's because there's something that has been abandoned. And the reason why they started their pursuit of God was because God take this away. And they, under, they have an understanding of how, or they've given God specifications on how God should take it away. But like God told Paul, don't look at what you're going through. Focus on grace. And that is the most, that's the most hardest thing to do. Because, but you're telling them to focus on my grace, but I'm still seeing the problem. Like the Bible says, oh, let the poor say I am rich. You know you are poor. But I say, don't confess your reality. Confess my truth. Let the weak say I am strong. You are acknowledging that, God, I am weak. But he said, yes, I know you are weak. But don't focus on your reality. Focus on my truth. You get it. And what you can do for such a person is that whilst you are encouraging them, pray in the background for them. Because I had people that interceded for me. One of them was Prophet Hayford. 
because I have known him for years. And back then, anytime I went and visit him, he would make he would line people up for me to minister to them. And after I'm done, he's like, Man of God, God wants to use you. And I'm like, I know at the right time I will come. Oh yeah. I'm like, because I was doing music full time. And that was my dream and passion since I was growing up. I said, at, and I was making small l'argent. I mean, I, I had a, con- a million dollar contract to go to California. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah, I, 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 wanted, I received the contract, I showed it to Osofu Keith and Reverend Andrew. And I said, miracle. <laughs> I was going to go. But every time I had people, Robin, God wants to use you. And people like that, they know that God wants to use them because they have tasted of it before. But there was something, see, there was this emptiness that has not been satisfied. And they've given God specifications on how you should satisfy it. But God is saying that just rely on me. Because at that point, I used my strength and my breaking point was when I realized that all my strength was just failing me. And I just had to just surrender. I say, Father, you know what? I've tried it my way. I remember 2019 when the the Lord Jesus came to me and said, you have tried and tried and tried. You've given music five years of your life. You've done everything. Why don't you just abandon everything and test me? That's what he said. Test me with five five years of your life. I'm in the second year of the test that I said, okay, I'm going to test you with five years. And I dare say, no, I dare say, I know the truth. I have seen a tangible change. And so for someone like that, all you can do, oh yeah, it's like a testimony. I remember some of you, when you saw the first ordination list, you were wondering why Reverend Robin was not on the first ordination list. Like, ah, but man of God, why are you not? You don't understand. Because I was still, grace was still working on me. Grace was still working. Oh yeah, grace was still working on me. So all you can do is that encourage such a person, but and pray for them. Never stop praying for them. And all the prayer you can pray, the only prayer you can pray is, Father, let your mercy and your grace locate them. Because trust me, the only thing that turns everything around is when a person contacts grace. When Paul was murdering the church, it was just one contact with grace and truth. That was all that he needed. And, and and such a person is only that that will change them. So rather, don't give up. Pray. People were praying for God to remove Paul. But God actually did remove Paul. He removed the Paul that was murdering and gave them a Paul that will give life. You get it? So don't stop praying. Amen. Have you been answered? Beautiful. So one thing, he, one thing that he said, I want to emphasize it. You keep praying for the person. I get to me. Because you realize that you see, sometimes I've gone, I've come to realize that when we see people who are gone up ahead of us and they are struggling in certain areas of their life, we can't seem to understand what happened. But you realize that hey, life is not cartoon network, so no. Life is not cartoon networks. I am saying there are some things that happen all of suffering. All of suffering. And it will beat your mind. You can't understand. There are people who go through tragedies. Are you getting me? There are people who encounter situations that shake them. And in their way to survive, they turn 
to other things. Are you getting me? So when you meet someone like that, we usually assume that, ah, but this is a small thing. I've I've gotten to realize that you don't trivialize people's pain. Don't trivialize people's pain. Because if it was you, you don't know what you, you don't know what you would have done. I get me. Now, when it comes to certain events or certain situations of people's life that transform them to become quote unquote some way, you realize that then it's only a particular force of good that is from God that can undo that harm. It's only a particular force of good. You see, when Paul encountered the light, the Bible says that when the light shone then he became blind. What God was trying to teach him is that your enlightenment compared to my light is blindness. Are you understanding? God was saying that your enlightenment, because he was well educated. He was vexed in the word of God, quote unquote. The Bible says that when he was persecuting the church, he was doing it with passion because he thought he was doing God's will. He was executing God's purpose. It was a passion of light that God says that when you compare it to what I am showing, it is blindness. I know what I'm saying. So, probably, there are certain people who are in a state of blindness, but to them, they are in enlightenment. And they need a superior light that would expose that blindness. And that light, you can't give. I can't give. Only Christ can give. For he says that, for in him is what? Life. And that life is what? The light of men. Until the person encounters the life of Christ Jesus, they will never see true enlightenment. Until they encounter what? The life of Christ. They will never see true enlightenment. The people who keep saying that they are in the illuminati, illuminati, illuminati. Which is what? Enlightenment, enlightenment, secret, enlightenment society. Meanwhile, they do things in the dark and do things in the shadows. They think they are in the light. How many people realize that there was a particular year? I don't know if you, if you realize this. I believe 2018, 2017. Most of the new cars you see in town, you see the... Many people have not taken note of it, so let me move on. Let me move on, let me move on. Hallelujah. 2017, 2018. Hey! You see almost everyone. And that's when you realize on Facebook, you see people contacting you actively. That do you want to be rich? You are contacted. Hey! I'm saying. And you'll see, and what I'm trying to what I'm trying to point you to is that there are some things that seem like it's the wisest choice. So it's like you, you when your eyes have opened, you are shining your eye until the light of God will hit you and realize that you are blind. Until the light of God will hit you. And so the Bible said that when Ananias, the one who prayed for Saul, the Bible said that when he prayed for him, then what? Scales fell off. That means that every light you thought he was seeing, it was just screensaver. It was what? Screensaver. It was only in his eyes. It was only on his eyes until they fell off. Until they what? They just fell off. Are you getting me? So there are some people who are engaged in certain things and they think they are so wise. 
there are some people who enter into the realm of business and they say they are doing pa pa pa. Hey, it seems like they are so wise. There are some people who might be a typical example, just out of whatever. They might be at circle and they think that they can tear moves. They will convince you, bring this one. By the time you go home, you have a pineapple food. <laughs> you went to get, <laughs> you went to get an apple and they added a pine. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they think they are like so wise. So they think they are so like they have shined their eyes. But you see, it's just an illusion. When they encounter the light of God, they realize that what? They were blind. They were blind. So some people, your prayer is that God will pursue them. I remember in the, one of the examples, I think I've used it before, the, the case of this man of God, Jesus the Plantis. The mother prayed. It's the father, chase my son. Wherever he goes, hey, chase him. This, he's not the only one, he's not the only one that mothers and grandmothers have prayed such prayers before. You can also pray such a prayer. I remember one time I heard the testimony of one man of God. I mean, before he became a man of God, he was into all sorts of things. And then he died and God brought him back. And before God would bring him back, God, he was, he was actually, he was one of those people who were born in the church thing and became bad. People who are born in the church, when they become bad, they, uh, hey, <laughs> you need grace. <laughs> you, you really need grace. God told him, God told him that, remember when you were in seminary or it was either a seminary or a Catholic school, God, God, God told him that there was the one prayer of your nun, your nun, right? One of those quote-unquote human sisters. It's because of that prayer, that's why I'm saving. When I heard that testimony, I realized that, hey, we've been saying that, oh, the Pentecostal and the Charismatic, we are the people who know how to pray. The, the Roman Catholics and whatever, they don't know. And the Orthodox, they know how to pray. But God listened to the prayer of a Roman sister. I don't even think that she might have ended her prayer, like we say, in the name of Jesus. They might have ended it in the name of Mary or whatever it is. I got what I'm saying. I, I got what I'm saying. There are many people from different backgrounds. But you see, when we get into some realm where we think all is well, we are too quick to judge. And that's what I'm saying. Don't underestimate someone's pain. Don't underestimate someone's encounter. Don't underestimate it. There are some things you will never understand. I get it. But all you need to pray is that they would encounter life so that they would en- they will walk into what? Light. If they encounter what? Life. Then they can walk into true light. I get to me. I get to me. Another question. Hi, Bishop. Thank you for the opportunity. So, my question was, um, like, we've been in a season of grace. Like, God is granting us grace. God is granting us grace. But sometimes, the fine line between your working and God's working, grace at work and you at work, I think... Some time ago, we had a conversation, and it made me understand that, yeah, there are certain things I want to do, but grace has to take over. But now the question is, how does grace take over? It doesn't mean that you stop engaging in what you're doing and allow a supernatural power to take over. Like, I don't know how to say it, but like you hear the theory, but practicalizing yeah. is how. Yes, I, I I understand. Yeah, and another side of it is, um, I'm asking for a friend. It's not me. 
Okay, for that friend. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Stop me. Stop me. Oh, stop me. Stop me. Oh, no, no, no. Stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Maybe you are that friend. So listen. Oh. Nobody should come after. I want to. Okay, so a friend of mine has been struggling with a particular issue, right? And. <laughs> And that issue is pressing, right? It's a it's it's, it's a relationship, right? <laughs> and what's happening is, is it's like back and forth. You are trying to separate yourself and focus, and it's like you are being a bad person, those kind of things. So that's like when I'm asking practicality or grace, like. Do you just cut the person off or you still entertain the person or you I don't know like you understand it's like I don't know like how many people understand this question? <laughs> you understand? How many people have friends who have been those situations? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so let's start with the first one. When we say grace is taking over, right? Where what do you then do? I got what I'm saying. That's your question. Does grace push you into being lazy? Where you are just sitting down and you are waiting. I get to mean. So grace is, is not laziness. If you check what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it says, But by what? The grace of God, I am what I am. Then he continued quickly and he says, his grace towards me was not in vain. That means I didn't waste the grace. Then it says, but I labored more abundantly. I what? Labored more abundantly than they all. Then he added, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. So he recognized that when grace took over, there was still some kind of labor. I know what I'm saying. When grace takes over, there's some kind of working. I don't want to use works to confuse us. So let me just use the word working. That means that there's some kind of quote-unquote effort. There was some kind of labor. I know what I'm saying. But then he still acknowledged that it was the grace that was empowering him. Because it says, but grace was with me. Now, when it comes to... Let me give an example. There are many people, let me use an example of, let's say, a school setting, right? You'd realize that there are some people who have said, I mean, when I was in school, I remember some of you, I'm sure most of you will not know that professor because you guys are quite young. It doesn't mean I'm old, I'm still young. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I remember leadership one, leadership one. When we're going to take that class, the class I chose, I didn't pay attention. But they said, hey, the lecturer that I've chosen, he's going to really, 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 really worry us. Hallelujah. So when I went into that class, my mind was to do everything here. I was like, I was taking notes, writing things, paying attention, whatever it is. I got saying. And at the end of the semester, I didn't see the thing top. Unfortunately for me, leadership too. I got the same lecturer. At that time, that's when 
the grace of God was gingering us to do a few things. I remember Reverend Keith and I and a few of us. At the time, we used to say that we are going to we are going on adventures for God. So at night, we just go onto a park and we'll be praying till the morning. And the day we chose, the following day was when I had leadership too, first class in the morning. I remember I missed <laughs> I missed classes there. There was a point that I got into the class and they said there was an there was a, a quiz or a test or something. And it was based on the on the video we watched last week. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't even hear. <laughs> I get to me. I know I don't remember what I wrote. I, I don't remember what I wrote. But when I compared the semester that I put in effort, right? Versus the semester that I decided to put in effort in my relationship with God, there was a clear difference. Now, I'm not going to go and do that. Right? When I was in school, we, at that time, in the prayer department, there were four of us, right? I remember one of the assistant prayer um, leaders, for her, she needed to study and do the things that she needs to do. So she, would, she organized her time and her relationship with God in a particular way that would suit her. I'm, coming, I'm trying to make a point. For me, I realized that when I tested God in that particular second year, I decided to test God again. I decided to test God what? again. And I realized that I am unable to sit down and learn. So what God taught me to do was that if I don't understand something, I will come and teach you. I will labor for you to understand. As soon as you understand, I also understand. I get what I'm saying. So I don't understand. So I, I'll come to you at the first time. We both don't understand. But then we say, okay, ah, so what did the teacher say? Then we sit down together. Ah, then as I'm explaining, sometimes the thing will just drop like that. Then I'm teaching, I'm teaching you. Or sometimes both don't get, they will call some person. Ah, come and see, explain this one to us. As I understand it and I teach you, before I'm done with you, I also understand. So I don't spend my time learning. I spend my time teaching. I know what I'm saying. So that was in school. Right? It doesn't mean that because I found out that the grace of God was working for me in that regard, I'll just be sitting down and then I don't do anything. I know what I'm saying. And that is one of the things that people are unable to balance. You see, when it comes to what you are saying, where, does, where do we draw the line? There is no line to be drawn. That's the first thing I want us to understand. There is no line to be what? Drawn. Everything we do is a function of grace. Anytime you draw a line, that means that you've left grace and you are in flesh. And at that point in time, your wine will run out. Your wine will run out. There is no line to be what? Drawn. When you are spending your time with God and in the things of God, you are doing that as a function of grace. When you are spending time studying, you are doing that as a function of grace. When you are spending time building a relationship and you are taking your wife out, you are using wife intentionally. Before you start taking people's daughters and sons out. You are taking your wife and your husband out and your children out to go and chill. It is still on the premise of grace. I know what I'm saying. It's still what? On the premise. So there is no line to be drawn. There is what? No line. There is no place where you say that, okay, all of this, I'm doing this in grace. And then this one there, I must wise up. 
I get what I'm saying. You, you've heard those things. Like, okay, so now you, you have come to the real world. You have come to the real world. So then you have to do what? No. There is no, there is no line like that. When it comes to studying, you are doing that on the premise of grace. When it comes to being in the classroom and learning, it's still on the premise of grace. That means it's the grace of God. Because said that by the grace of God, I am what I am. It says that grace, because of that, it didn't go in vain, but I labored more. Then it says, but grace was with me. That means that in his labor, there was still grace. Anytime we take grace out, we are saying that Jesus is no longer invited. I get it me. I get it me. So there is no place where there is a line that is drawn. That's one of the first things you must understand. Do you get me so far? Do you get me so far? So the things that you must do, grace would also teach you. The Bible says that for the grace of God has appeared, Titus chapter 1 or so, has appeared unto all men, teaching us. So when you have encountered grace, grace will teach you what to do. And that is why I was saying that we, some of us have skill, some of us have talent, but we've not let grace teach us. We've not relied on grace. That sometimes when you are saying that, Father, I need your strength, you are asking God for your strength. You see, when it comes to grace, you are asking. It's a petition. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That is humility. You are asking God for that help. So you know that I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and you are asking God. You are asking God. You are asking God. And then you realize that ah, God will suggest to you, do it this way. Do it this way. And then sometimes the suggestions that God will give is counterintuitive. I heard the story of um, one of these restaurants in the US and then, I mean, the founder was a priest. I don't, I don't remember if it's yeah, one of them. And then the idea God gave them was that they don't open on Sundays. Meanwhile, Sundays are family times. And that's when you have your annual cocoa season. Do I get what I'm saying? Many people in this dispensation of Uber will now not go to church because Sundays are cocoa season for Uber. I know what I'm saying. Cocoa season, because on Sunday there, it doesn't matter where you are going, it's always price increase, surge. So because of that, they've abandoned. And they think, oh, I'm being wise. No. You are frustrating grace. Grace is being in vain in that area. When, let me, let me, let me help you understand this. When there's something that you are engaged in, and you are doing, whether with a good heart or whatever, and then it begins to Take your attention from the Father. Take your attention from God. You have to realize that this is not grace. This is not grace. This is not grace. Because grace always has a connection to the Father. Jesus is always invited at that wedding when grace is there. Do you get me? Do you get me? Have we answered you? Okay. Then the second question, the second question for the friend. Now, I want you to understand something. Is he? I want to address this in a particular way because of certain things that have happened in the past in the body of Christ and especially in KCF. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've had situations where people want to leave their boyfriends and leave their girlfriends. Right? And then a man of God would see that and maybe pray for them. And I know one clear example was two years ago, I believe. The person went, John, 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 John. 
So, apostles said that I should leave you. <laughs> and up till now, <laughs> they don't like hearing apostles leave. How many people have heard that case here if they like breaking relationships before? Mm. Okay. All over, yes. Sometimes I was talking with someone and then the person was mentioning this particular person, this particular person, this particular person. So that, and all of them advised me that when it comes to your relationship thing, don't, don't, don't go to the... Don't, don't. I said, ah, wait. So you, you have been with us since your first year in school. Since whatever. Have you seen us come and say that you go away? No. You see, and the reason why I'm, 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 I'm tackling this is because God is not to be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You see, there is something that God, the Bible says that one of the things that God hates is what? A truce breaker. Have you heard that before? He hates what? A covenant breaker. Now, if you read the Bible, the story about Gideon, we know that Gideon was able to what? Stop the stand. Is it Gideon? Or was Joshua? Joshua, right? He was able to, at one point in time when he was fighting, he was able to stop the sun and the moon for a while for him to be able to defeat his enemy, right? And then to recover all. Now, that particular battle that he fought was not his battle. Go and check that story again. That particular battle that he fought was a battle on behalf of the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were people who were aliens, quote-unquote, who deceived Joshua and he entered into a covenant with them. And even when he realized that he had entered into an evil covenant with them, he didn't just cut it off because he entered into the relationship before he asked God permission. I get me so far. He entered into what? The relationship before he asked God permission. So when God revealed the intention that this was a wicked relationship, he still didn't break it. And because of the covenant and the terms of his relationship, he was obliged to defend them. When people realized that he had now entered into a relationship with the Gibeonites, the Bible says that five kings rose up to now destroy Israel and Gibeon. And it was at that point when he was fighting that God's one of the most supernatural acts on this earth happened where he stopped the sun from coming down. If you actually check the scientific implication of that, he didn't stop the sun. He stopped the earth from revolving. Or the earth from rotating. That's what he did. He didn't stop the sun. He stopped the earth and made it stationary. I get me so far. And this is something of... You can't think about anything that can stop Let's not go into that. But my point is that this miracle was brought forth on the account of, quote-unquote, an evil relationship or an evil covenant. Now, when you jump into the time of David, the Bible says that at one point in time, the people of Israel had undergone three years of drought and farming. And David decided to seek and find out from God what was happening. He asked God, Father, have I sinned against you? God said, no. Father, have we done something wrong against you? 
God said no. Then he says, so why are we experiencing this when we have done nothing wrong? And he says that it's your predecessor, Saul. Saul, who realized that the relationship they had with the people of Gibeon was a terrible one. He broke that pact and he destroyed the people of Gibeon. And the people of Gibeon cried out to God. You must understand that they entered into that relationship with deceit. They cried out to God and God stayed their heavens and prevented it from raining upon them. And then they asked that, what should we do? And God says, listen to whatever the demands of the people of Gibeon want and fulfill it. And the people of Gibeon demanded that they wanted the same blood that was shed by Paul, by Saul. They wanted to share blood in his bloodline. And God didn't say, ah, that is abomination. When they slap you like this, turn the other cheek. No, God didn't say that. The only person that David saved was Saul's grandson. And then he gave them, and they chose seven people from Saul's family. And they killed them and hanged them. And the Bible says that he went and brought the remains of Saul. And then we gather with all the people that have been killed. They buried them and then rain came. Listen to what I'm saying. It was a relationship founded on deceit and lies. Yet there is a way to do everything. Yet there is a right way to do what? Everything. You didn't pray and ask God whether this fine girl is for you. And you already told her that I'll marry you. Now God has told you that this fine girl is not for you. You don't go John John and say, So, my man of God says, by the revelation that he had last night, it seems like you are a demon power. <laughs> I get to me. I get to me. There is what? A right wing, and I, I want to I want to emphasize this carefully. See, Paul even said that when you are married to an unbeliever and you become now a believer, he says that do not seek to divorce or to leave your person unless the person says, "I can't live with you" or "I want to go." And I want you to understand the power of covenants and relationships because we trivialize it so much because for us we are in that realm where she pleases me well she doesn't please me well so you can go i get to me if god has given you a clear directive that this person is not for you there is a right way to do it there's a right way to do it i remember one point in time apostle was giving a testimony one time that he went to nigeria also and something similar had happened. And he was telling one particular lady. He says, this one here, now you've seen like God was able to unveil. See, sometimes when we are in love, we can unlook a lot of things. How many people have been there before? How many people have been there before? One of the things that I've realized, right, is that we keep saying that opposite poles attract. Hey, I've realized that when you want a long-term relationship, like poles but attract. <laughs> If you want what? A long-term relationship. Like poles must attract. 
because the opposite poles that were attracting at the beginning when there was a fuzzy feeling, when that fuzzy feeling fades away, you realize that they annoy you. And you don't understand me, but you understand me very soon. <laughs> you don't understand me very soon. Are you getting me? Many things. That's why I was, we're, we're doing some marriage counseling with some one or two people. And I said, see, I've come to realize that the things that will break a marriage and the things that will break a relationship, they didn't start in the marriage. They started way before you entered into a relationship. Because of, oh, love. You ignore them. <laughs> because of what? Love. You ignore them. And that is why Apostle said that, hey, true love, eh, it is not blind. <laughs> if someone tells you that love is blind, the person doesn't know what he's talking about. See, you want, you want proof. The Bible says that, and love what covers a multitude of sin. You must see the sin to cover it. <laughs> love what was? It covers a multitude of sin. So you must first see the sin for you to what? Cover it. So you must see the things that are annoying you. It's not that you didn't see. You saw it. But the grace of God helped you to cover it. Are you getting me? So love is not blind. So the concept of like poles repel and opposite poles attract is for maybe a fling. Not a long-term relationship. It's for yeah, one of those situationships. Not a long-term <laughs> relationship. But for a long-term relationship, if you don't believe it, the Bible says what? Can two walk together except they be what? Not except they be different. Go and check your Bible. Can what? <laughs> Can two walk together except they what? Agreed. Not when they are different. Are you getting me so far? Are you getting me so far? Well, I'm just helping you so that in this area where you realize that there are certain things that are attracting you, but, oh, I like him. I like him. Sometimes, you know, he's very, very spontaneous. I like that. It's just that sometimes he gets me angry, but I like that. Right now, I like that. And then now, you've married the person, and then you're saying that, okay, so, today, I need to go to work early. So, take care of the kids, put this in, the person will do spontaneous things. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that's what I'm saying, but you know you understand me very soon. Very soon. The person is doing spontaneous things. You told the person that, okay, so you see, we have something to do. We are saving towards our marriage, our home, maybe the next car, the next project. And the person is now doing spontaneous things with your money. And you realize if that is exciting and thrilling. Hallelujah. <laughs> I get to me so far. I get to me so far. So, when you realize that there has been a clear directive from God, and God says that what? Break a relationship. One of the things that Apostle said, he says, see, Lori, just give this time. Just give this time. You see, right now you've seen, you've seen it. So, the veil has been taken off your eyes. So, you are no longer responding and condoning and making excuses for the person. So you're just giving it time. You're just giving it time. You're praying about it. That God help me. Father, make a way. 
you realize that the things will begin to just wither. It just begins to wither. Sometimes when it's complicated and there are people involved, you need to realize who you need to go to first. Like I remember when I was about to get married, one of the things that God told me clearly, is that I, I didn't live with my father for a long time. But one of the things God told me is that you cannot take a move until your father gives approval. And I had potentially, ah, have a spiritual father. Have a spiritual father. After all, my spiritual father has prayed for me. He has even given me the go-ahead and things. And God says that fulfill all righteousness. I never told my family's, my mother's family until my father's family were okay. God gave me a particular order. I spent seven weeks every Saturday going to my father to explain why I wanted to get married. The first day, he said that, so when you were in Ashesi, you did this and this. You said right after you, you like robotics and computer science. You want to go and do a master's. And even told me that you were starting, you were considering a PhD, PhD program. So where is this married thing coming from? I said, ah. Anyways. <laughs> then I said that, then, now he was, okay, so tell me about this person. I said, okay, so I found this beautiful damsel. She's a Nigerian. Then he says, hey! Do you know what he asked me? Then he asked me, says, Daniel, are all the gar girls finished? <laughs> then he says, no. He says, if all the gar girls are finished, then go to Kumasi. <laughs> I spent, what, seven weeks. And at the time that I was telling him now, eh, that was what had happened. I'd already gone to Nigeria already. <laughs> I'd gone to give a ring. And before I gave the ring, they had already given me a date. Before I proposed to her that I want to marry you, before they said the date for my wedding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before, before I gave her the ring. So when I gave her the ring, I'm saying, ah, I'll be, I'll be no that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when I was coming back to Ghana, almost everybody knew what had happened, except my father. And God is saying that I need my father's permission and approval before I do anything. Now, one of the conditions my wife's family gave me was that they must be sure that my family is on the same page with me. So they were going to send a delegation from their church to come and visit my family. Now, the interesting thing that happened is that on the seventh week, the seventh Saturday, that I went there. At the end of our long conversation, he said, so I realized that it seems like you are coming to inform me and not to ask for permission. And then I said, I, I said, you are now realizing. <laughs> After I finished that meeting with him, on my way home, I, no, so while in the meeting, I realized that my mom was calling me, my mom was calling me, my mom was calling me. But I didn't pick up because at that time it was one of those heated things that you can't interrupt. When I was done and I picked the call and I called them, I said that, ah, there's this pastor, these two pastors from Nigeria. They said that they will come to check with your father if he knows that you are coming to get married. This was after he had accepted. The only reason why they went to my mother's house, because when they were going to my father's house, they got lost. 
So they decided to do my mother's, my mother's house first. Imagine God had sent them in the first week. <laughs> he said, ah, hey, my son was telling me something and I asked him if all the girl girls are finished. Me, I was looking for some aquile for him. <laughs> I don't know this Nigerian girl. But God waited, stole them, and they even got lost that they didn't go to my father's house until he gave approval. And when he gave approval, so I'd gone to the house, I met them, and then we all went together. And at that time, I was smiling at the back because it was just a conversation. He says, okay, okay, so what must we do? And they said, then at the time, they said, okay, now he's told me. So then we must meet my family, elders, and whatever. And they too, when I met them, the first question, ah, so you're going to Nigeria, do you know that culture? Ah, is she marrying you or you're marrying her? <laughs> and I was looking at, what kind of question is that? And they were trying to say that, is it a matrilineal family you're going into or a patrilineal? So is she marrying you or you're marrying her? And they also had to go back and forth, back and forth. After all was settled on my father's side, then I went to tell my family that, my mother that okay so we can go and tell your family heads and then that all. but at that point in time i didn't see why because before i had gone to marry it was like it was approved but god said fulfill all righteousness i've seen people who say because of what god has said they are so in love with each other that they neglect authority figures in their life they neglect the right way of doing things. And some people dare to even run away. You are in a church and they are giving you counsel concerning a relationship, concerning a, a, a marriage, and then you don't like what they are saying. So then you run away and then you get an ad hoc pre- preacher. You get an ad hoc church and then they pray and bless it. And then by the time you realize Jesus is not invited to that wedding and the wine will finish very soon. Am I, get, am, am, am I making sense? Am I making sense? If God says that this is not the right person for you, there is a right way for God to make that relationship with her. I get you. There is a right way. God would definitely make a way. You don't just break relationships by heart. And that is one of the things that people do. And they say that in the name of God. I heard it. God showed me a revelation that you are not the same for me whatever, whatever, then you spoiled some girl's life. You spoiled some boy's life. No. God hates people who break truths. Even if it was founded on deceit, there is a right way of dealing with it. I get to me. I get to me. Now, as I've answered you, you have to now start considering that relationship that you are in. Mm. Hide your face under the nose mask and not look at me. Now, consider that relationship. And I'm saying that what? There is a right way. I get to me. And ask God to show you the way so that things would what? Weather according to the ways of God. I get to me. Does anyone have another question? Okay. Microphone to our sister. Okay. Please help her.
thank you okay um, so my question is on purpose we mentioned that sometimes when you find until god says something is good it's not it can be pleasing to you but then it doesn't make god happy you're not fulfilling his pleasure so let's say um if you have an opportunity maybe marriage is a very serious subject but then let's say a job or something and you haven't heard god say this is good but then in the meantime you are very dry you need something to do do you continue <laughs> do you pursue what is ahead of you while waiting to see um to hear the good or you stop and be idle before you hear the good thank you so much amen that's a very very powerful question that's a powerful question now, for this one, I want to answer it in two ways. Does anyone want to help me first? Before I... <laughs> Wait, let me see. Are there another person? Reverend Barry, help us. <laughs> okay, right of God, help us. <laughs> Again, I was in this situation. <laughs> Is- Oh yeah, it's like, it's like you guys are reading my diary entries. So, when I stopped, when I decided to give up uh, full-time music and all the contracts and... Uh, so, basically, I got a record deal that was supposed to locate me to America. Uh, I was supposed to... No, that was the second one. And, yeah. I was supposed to... I actually had a meeting with Ed Sheeran. And we were supposed to work on a song together for me to enter the American market. And then God shook my boots. Hallelujah. Amen. All the people were praying, God bless you. I mean, God snitched Bishop to me that he was also praying. He had been given topics to pray. And then I got another contract. So when I terminated it, I, t- I said, Father, okay, Father, not full. I'm, I'm surrendering everything. 2018. I'm surrendering everything to you. And then in December, I got a contract on a cruise ship for three years. And I mean, the money is not a million dollars, but it was still good. It was three thousand. They had removed tax. It was three thousand seven hundred something pounds. And I was supposed to leave. Times six or seven. <laughs> and I was supposed to leave. I was supposed to leave. I was supposed to go to SA and then fly to. London, and I'll start for three years. And, and I mean that the bonuses and all that have not come inside. So basically, it was going, uh, by the time I come to London, yeah. And then, but when I was when I was doing music in Ghana, I mean I was going to shows. I was I mean back then I was on almost every radio station and TV. I was Robbie Hughes was everywhere, like Robbie Hughes was everywhere. I was performing at Republic. Oh, like I was everywhere. Every major show, I was, I was with a fear on girl, uh, the girl talk conference concert at the National Theatre. Like I was everywhere. Robin Hughes was everywhere. Like if the experts come to Ghana, they actually tell them that make sure you go to Robin Hughes concert before you leave. Like that, like I was basically a celebrity. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I didn't I didn't believe it at first when they were telling me, but I realized that everyone in the in the everyone in the media 
had accepted me that this guy, when it comes to, like, I was, I, was, I created my own niche. Like, no, no one could touch me, like, where I was. Oh, no, it's true. Like, my kind of, but anyway, that's besides the point. So now, when that was terminated and taken, no, yes, taken from me, I was asking God, Father, I need money. So, what do I do? What do I do? Then offers started coming, and then God will tell you, don't take it. Then Joy FM will call me. We have the bridal fair, Robin Hughes. We need you on it. And God will tell you, don't take it. I remember one time I was at a prayer meeting and then some MTV base official, MTV base Africa had come to Ghana for a meeting. And then one guy just wanted to be my agent. So they had booked a meeting for me that I should come. There was like a small get together. They called all the celebs manifest and all that. And they said, Robin, you have to be here. And it was a Wednesday prayer meeting. So I was praying. I was like, okay, it's time for me to go. And I stepped outside. And then the Lord said, don't leave. I just felt my spirit. No, I have to pray. So the guy kept calling my phone. I said, oh, I'm in a meeting. I can't make it. And I actually tell him, oh, I'm in a church meeting. I can't make it. And it's my God, need to eat. Man must chop. Then I decided to... There's this uh, online site where you can producers all over the world put up their tracks and all that, and they want singers to actually to collaborate with you. You do it, and then they pay you. Sometimes, just sometimes five hundred dollars to just sing a verse. Sometimes thousand five dollars, five hundred dollars. So I was on that site, and then one of them had hit me up. I was about, I st- I'd written the song. I was recording. The Lord said, "Don't do it." How, how will I eat? How will I eat? So I didn't do it. Then now, the Rockstone's office was calling me. Yeah, to remember, we need you. They started booking me. So back then, you have to book me months ahead. So they started hitting me up in August for a, a concert in December. I said no. They hit me up again in September. I said no. They hit me up again in October. I said no. In November, even in December... I said, I can't make it. God said, don't do it. So I said, Father, what should I do? And back then, I used to, rely, I used to ask my, my dad for money. And then the banking thing that happened. And so my dad lost huge sums of money. And so now I can't go and be asking daddy to help me out. So Father, how will I survive? So I just, I just no, it's fine. I'll just hope on you. So I just, I'll pray. So I don't have anything. Then I realized something that was weird. I can't have only 300 cities. But in two months, that money has already, my, my phone has taken it all, but that money has not finished. I remember one time, I came to church and then I used to ask God, how much offering should I give you? Then he said, give me everything you have. And that day I was coming, I, was, I came, the one bar was blinking. So basically it's, I said, that bar, that bar. So I drove the church. I said, you know what? After church, I had only 50 Ghana CDs. I said, after church, I'll give 20 CDs offering and 30 Ghana CDs. I'll buy four. So I again gave me to the filling station so I can buy. So tomorrow I just asked my dad, Charlie, daddy, what's up? Your boy. And then I go into the castle. Father, what do you want for today's offering? He said, everything you have. I said, I froze in the car for five minutes. Then I went in and I took it, shaking. I went to 
It was a Wednesday prayer meeting. And I went and I dropped it. And then, announcement. If you need transportation, come and see. <laughs> Reverend, no, but, no, but that was uh, Minister Abigail, Mrs. Arthur. So I went to oh, Mrs. Arthur. I said, I need transportation. No. Then she left. And she said, oh, Robin, stop joking. You don't need it. And, oh. And, and I also laughed. And I, me, I cracked jokes. So I laughed. And then I was like, hey, Father, how will I go home? So that day, that day I didn't leave early. I waited to try and, but I was like, no, it's fine. So I left. I, le- I didn't leave early. So I was driving, the thing is blinking. And the car, you know that. But I had a vision. And in the vision, I see when I'm coming to, when I'm going to Allied, when I go to Pintex Road, Allied Filling Station, Manor Junction, I had a vision. I saw my car drive there to the filling station and said, buy four. When I got to the filling station, I saw myself in my car driving out to the filling station and it drove into my car and became one with me. By the time I passed in the Holy Spirit said, look at your gauge. My gauge had risen to half. It is simple obedience and re- see basically your answer, answer to your question is what bishop has taught us throughout this night simple just rely on grace rely on grace that is all i covet time it's like i'm sharing testimony to answer covet time as like father then who said that go into your email no to your gallery go into your picture gallery it's like ah say go into it I sit on the floor. I said, Father, I need money. He said, go into it. And I went into it. And I saw a picture. He said, this picture. Click it. I, and I saw, I saw an email and said, I took a, a screenshot. Then he said, message them. I messaged them and they, I didn't know that they were buying songs. He said, oh, they are buying songs. And I said, oh, there's this song that I have. And he said, so I, I gave, yes, powerful. I gave the song to them. And then they, they said, they, they, they were, I mean, they are buying the rights. So I gave it. And then after, I didn't think it would go through. It goes through and I'm paid $2,500. I want to sell more songs there. The thing is this. Just obedience. Even recently, I said, Father, I need money. What do I do? What do I do? I was doing crap in my head. Nothing was working. Then I heard a voice. The Holy Spirit said that. Go to your email. Message this person. In fact, early this year, he had, had an intuition that just check up on them. So I did it was like general. I said, oh, how are you? I hope your family is okay in this COVID times. And I encouraged them. So oh, it was really good to hear from you. Then that was it. And God says, I messaged them. Why? Just message them. I messaged them. I know that because of COVID, they have stopped business. But I messaged them and they were so happy. And they said, well, actually, this month, we want something from you if you can. And we are still, we are working out. On that, on that deal. Simple obedience. The reason why it's hard is because you can't see the end. But God doesn't expect you to see the end. He expects you to just trust him. Abraham couldn't see anything. All he could see was that, just follow me. And I'll take you to a land which I'll show you. And God didn't give Abraham the GPS. He didn't tell him where he was taking him. Just follow me. Joseph, Joseph just knew that there was no hope where he is. He's a, he's a, he's a slave, sold into slavery. But God, was, he just, even in, in prison, God was with him there. It's about knowing who is with you and relying on him. But the thing is this, most of us think that God is a wicked God and he's a tyrant. We feel that we can't ask God about everything and talk to him. 
if only you just pray to God as Father, and sometimes we are not truthful in our relationship with God. We are not. God knows all you are going through. He just needs to come and talk to him because, first of all, he wants to hear your voice. Just tell him, Daddy, I need money. This is, and this, and this, and this. What do you think? And I dare tell you this. He will answer you. Just talk to him. I know I've talked, spoken to my, if I don't answer it, if I, Bishop. My Bishop, um, I just feel very late to, to, to add on to what Bishop portrays. Hey, yeah, sure, yeah. And I'll, I'll explain why. So, nothing, I'll pass too deep. So, I finished, I should say, 2016. And I, after, the, I did my national service 2017. And I felt him. I just kept getting a lot of prompting that I need to get married. So for most of you who know, I got married when I was 25. Mrs. Nico was 24. And j- just came out from national service. Earning how much? Six, well, me, me, Ogilvy, they tried for me. They gave me six, six something. Wow. Uh, they tried for me small. Some 600 Ghana. Oh, uh, yeah. Some 600 Ghana. And then, when I, when I was about to finish... Um, uh, uh, my national service at that time, Ogilvy they don't they don't pick um, from national service to employee. They were pay pans. They used to do that so that they can use people to work for them. By God's grace, they picked me, and my salary at that time was thousand one, thousand hundred Ghana cities, uh, and that's how much they were. I was earning. Mrs. Nikwe was earning at that time. Miss um, Irabna uh, Hagan was earning. Thousand Ghana cities, and God say marry. <laughs> and I was twenty. So when you grew the math, it's what two thousand and hundred to run, and then you take tight and transportation and food, and God and God said, "My brother, it wasn't easy. I was not sleeping." <laughs> said God said marry, and my 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 plan was that I'll get married when I'm twenty eight. My plan was to get married now. When I've made money, I'm rich. I've told you like two billion times this story. But I just feel very like that to share it. So, hallelujah. Hello. After national service, I get married. That was one year working. Eh? Wait, wait. National service 2017. Yes, 2018, I got married. June. 2018 was going, we're earning 1,100. By God's grace, God blessed us with a house. So, we had a house. Uh, and we're living. Well, all right, I was alright. And it got to a place where Ogilvy promoted me. So, I was earning more than I used to earn. So, things were getting much better. Then I'm there and then God said, quit your job. <laughs> that voice. That voice. And that voice, God, the Holy Spirit said, quit your job. I said, what, what job is saying? You first said I should marry. Now you say quit the job. <laughs> eh? Quit your job. So that was 20. When I started, when I started hearing the voice, it was 2018. When I started hearing the voice. And then I've been hearing the voice. So I was just waiting for the time to actually quit. So, I, actually, I wanted, to, I wanted to quit even before the time, but God said it was not time yet. So, one day I was driving to work and I heard the voice very clear. It is time. 
<laughs> and by then we had entered the early early 2019. That was a full year after. It wasn't even a full year before I got married. 2019. And I heard the voice. It is time. So I heard the voice and I, I just turned. I said, baby, I just heard God tell me it's time. But I didn't understand it well, so I just left it. On Friday, we went for all night. It was around that time, Prophet David had come fresh. <laughs> At that time, Prophet I am Massa. And that day, I, I don't know where I was, but he went to Mrs. Nikwe and he told her that your husband, eh? That your, hus- your husband, God said I should tell him that it's time. <laughs> time has so. Massa. And it was, it was hard. I won't lie to you. It was hard. So immediately, I, I sent my resignation letter. My boss, even my boss cried. She couldn't believe it. She took me to her car, trying to convince me. She didn't understand. She thought she had done something to me. I said, oh, it's not me. It's not, it's not my fault. It ain't me. Me cry, I don't want to go. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was, a, it was very difficult to trust God at that point. But I heard the voice of God. And I was willing to obey. I was willing 100% to obey. But I was difficult. My mother-in-law is a businesswoman. For those of you who know Mrs. Hagan. She she's a millionaire. She came on. And she's an entrepreneur. So she not, like for you to stop something, to, you need something to rely on. So how are you going to marry my daughter and you say stop and you don't know where you are going? Where are you going? And I told her God had called me to stop my job. But we are going. Eh? We are going. Down the, a few months down, the, when I quit my job, immediate around that period, I stopped paying electricity. Why? Because electricity will not read. It went. <laughs> bishop, my bishop, the electricity stopped reading. Do you, do you understand what I'm, I'm saying? It's not illegal connection. Like, you don't pay electricity. Uh-huh. The electricity, Adwazo <laughs> bear names. The electricity will not read. So, my mother, so apparently, there's, a, there's something that happens. That when your electricity doesn't read, it is reading. But it's not showing that it's reading. It's on cut. But it's, the, the, the amount is accumulating. If ECG comes to your house and they meet you and they find that they can give you some three years' money, hey, we'll bet you on Casa. Because if you're not paying, it's still calculating. So, we call ECG to our home. And then when the ECG guy comes, because my mother has been wor- worrying us that child, you have to do it because the thing that's happened to them before in the family. So we called the ECG guy that should, you come and check the thing. And we were not paying. We used to enjoy a condition free. <laughs> you can't street. <laughs> Sometimes you come to our house. He's fully cold. He doesn't see no seat up. And we enjoying the AC like that. <laughs> so when the ECG guys came, man of God, they came to check the thing. But they, they're saying that the thing that is used to even read the thing is sports. I'm telling you. And that's how God was taking care of us. Like, and then eventually Oasis came and we started a company. And we, and so, just to buttress, just to buttress on the point that Reverend Robin was making. When God asks you to do something, something is very weird, very strange. The timings don't even make sense. But you trust the God who knows your end. When you make that your dwelling place, eh? the English is not coming. And the testimony is a brosso. I can't, I can't, like, 
If I say I'll start and it won't end today, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Tree is standing. He, he's, he knows me, but he's standing. He can tell you plenty. So just follow the guy. I don't talk plenty. Sorry. So before you ask, so I want, so that's the first angle. I want to also move on to the second aspect of this. So you need to then, God has asked you to stop. What do you do? There's one thing that I want us to clearly understand. There are some things that you need to hear the express word of God before you take a step. Because there are some things that I don't want to use the word. It seems like it makes sense. But there are things that you need to look at your life in full. For instance, one of the things that a lot of believers do when they get just in the things of God is to quickly leave school. Quickly leave work. Quickly leave certain relationships like we talked about. Because they are now on fire for God. So then, oh, what am I going to do with school? No, there is a benefit for school. Like I'm saying, there is a benefit for also work. Until you hear the express word of God that quits your job, you do what God has called you to do and you also work on the, on the side. Apostle was ministering powerfully at every all night. And he was coming to Prekusu every Sunday. Friday would have an all night at Accra Richard Manet. Saturday, ministers would meet at a place in Rich. On Sunday, he would come to Brekusu. And after service, if you really know Apostle, after service is when the service begins. If you really, really know Apostle, after service is when the service begins. So he just go and stand at the, at, the, at the door as if he's just greeting people. And that's when you see that he's now, all the, all the witches he caught in the service, he's not doing line by line ministration for them. So it's on Sunday that you know, and then on Monday, he has to go to work. And if you know Apostle, he was one of the best when he was working. I come saying, I come saying. So there are certain things, I want us to be very, very, very careful of that. That on, there are certain things until you hear the express word of God and the express instruction of God, don't just take a step out of exuberance. Zeal without knowledge. I get it. So some people, they get baptized with the spirit of God. They encounter God on a particular level. And then in their mind, everything else is, yes, is evil. Some people, they cut away their family. They cut away certain things that they are supposed to do. No. I get me. So you've, you are in school and then you've received a call of God. Finish that school. I get me. Finish that school. And you sometimes you realize that God will even tell you to go on. <laughs> God will tell you to go on further. I, I know this man of God, one of the people who, are nice, who is nice sensation, Apostle Arame. He was doing full-time ministry for, he said, what, about 18 years or so. And he was working in the oil industry. Right? Until God told him recently, recently, that he should go into full-time. 
But back then, he would travel and go and do his crusades and whatever it is. See, and I'm saying this because there are some things that take over young people when they, quote-unquote, feel anointed. Feel what? Feel anointed. They feel they've heard a vision. They've heard the voice of God. They feel they've seen a particular um, vision. So then everything, oh, you, you, are, you are Satan. You, you are evil. So then they cut it off. No. He said that it was in that oil industry where if you know in the Nigerian oil field, it's a wicked place that God taught him about God's power. He says you go to work and you see your colleague and they will just command fire out of the ground. It was something that they do. Like how Galamse now is. Galamse is not just a normal thing. It's fueled by evil. Like real evil. That's how the oil industry was. And it was that place. And God was using that to teach him. So I heard one man of God recently say that when he got the call of God, he was in school. Then he told God, God, I'm leaving school. I'm leaving school. I'm leaving school. And then God asked him. says, that, God asked him, so what, I, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go out into the world and win souls. I want to, I'm, I'm passionate about souls for you. Then God asked him, in your school, are there trees? The people in your class, are they not human beings? <laughs> eh? The people in your class, are they not souls? I get to me. So I want us to be careful with that because I've also, I've also seen it a number of times where people, because they encounter God, then they don't study at all. They, they don't go to class at all. When I gave that example, that I, was, I, I told that I went to meet at ex- exam. That means I was going to class sometimes. And I told you how I was managing. God told me that I should be teaching people. Right? So it wasn't like I abandoned school. No. So you must be careful when there's that quote-unquote, the feeling of you, you are Abraham's cousin. <laughs> Moses's stepbrother. <laughs> you are Elijah's, you know, you want to set the mountain ablaze. I know. I get him. So you finished school. See, and that's why that's one thing that we must also continually do. That we keep asking God for his direction. And that's actually one thing that if I if I get the chance, I'll talk about. If you check the the the, the life of Jacob. Jacob manifested his destiny on our ways. If you check the life of Jacob, it was grace throughout. He manifested his destiny what? On our ways. On our ways. If you check the life of Joseph, he manifested his purpose on our ways. When he told his brothers that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, it was after the fact. At that point, he didn't know that he was doing anything. I get to me. At that point, he didn't know. The, the only prayer, the only prayer Jacob prayed was when he lied down on that stone. The only prayer he asked God is that take me and bring me back. That's all he prayed. Because in his mind, he knew that he was dead. He didn't know that it was that in that trip that God was going to turn his life around. Before God brought him, he was now Israel. He manifested his what? Purpose on our ways. And that's what I'm saying that this is why we are talking about grace. Grace sponsored living. It means that there are some things that will begin to happen to you and you don't know, but as far as you are asking God for his help, God will help you. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous man, they are ordered. Are you getting me? So there are certain times that God will speak to you and you realize that, okay, 
this one is an express thing. There are some things that it seems like it's, it's already flowing. There are some things that you just begin to know. Right? And then there are some things that you would hear an express instruction. Where that one then you have to really make a really, really, really crucial turn around. I get me. So like you are going to school and then you hear the express word of God and then God says you forget about the school because I don't even finish. It's I don't say it's not possible because I, God can do anything. But what I'm saying is that you have to be careful. I get to me. You have to be careful. And that's why we've been talked about the issue about marriage and relationship. That you've already entered the relationship before you ask God. I get to me. So in that case, you also need to be very, very careful how to deal with it. Do you get me so far? Do you get me so far? So you don't just wake up with one revelation and then you are just run now. See, see, see the life of Paul. Paul encountered God. When Paul received salvation, that was when he received his call. Do you realize that? God told him his entire life. All the sufferings he would get. Ananas prophesied to him. That, and God says, and I'll show him how much he must suffer for my sake. So every suffering that Paul encountered, it was already prophesied. So at the point when he received salvation, he received what? His call. He received an anointing. Yet the Bible says that he went away for three years seeking clarity. He went away for what? Three years seeking clarity. There are many people who run with visions without clarity and you burn out quickly. God has told you that you have a mega church and then as soon as you hand it, no, from that Friday all night, Monday, you, you, you go online and then you go to the registrar general's department and then go and register. Um, international ministry something, something, something dot org. No understanding. No understanding. You don't even understand it. They just told you that, oh, you you be a business whatever. No, they go and open a business. Paul received his call. And the Bible says that he spent three years in the desert alone. Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he came in the volume of the books that were written. Concerned, if not for Jesus, if you take Jesus out of the Bible, the Bible will not be a Bible, it will be a pamphlet. It will be a pamphlet. And he knew all of this, yet he spent 30 years seeking clarity. When it was even time for him to enter into it, he spent 40 days fasting. You've not even prayed one hour concerning the prophecy you received. He said that you are going to execute. You heard that, oh, this person is your wife. You've not even prayed 30 minutes concerning the toy. You've gone to tell her that, hey, baby girl. So, as the word of God said the last time, have <laughs> you know that? <laughs> when Jesus was about to enter, he spent what? 40 years. The three years that Paul did was equivalent to Peter's experience with Jesus. That is why he could tell us things that Jesus said when none of the gospel said. Because he explained what? See, there's something about what? Process. There is what? Something about what? Process. In the arena of grace and mercy, in the arena of what? Grace and mercy, process can be suspended. But when it is suspended, you enter into a different dimension. I am saying, let me explain it. The Bible says that, and Jesus and his disciples were up on the mountain, right? And they spent all night praying. 
right and whilst they were on the mountain he, there was a transfiguration then someone came with an epileptic son and then he says i brought my son heal him whatever that particular part of scripture was after jesus had anointed his servants and sent them out they had come back with the testimony that demons were subject to them and jesus says that do not glory but glory that your name is written now they had now been encountered at the foot of the mountain alone i get to me and they prayed the same prayer that they went out to and pray they did the same anointing that they had gone out to do before they set the same brick they set the same loose they set the same i cast you out as they've done before but the bible says that nothing changed and then the bible says that then jesus stepped onto the scene and then he says bring me the boy and the bible says when he cast him out the disciples came to him and asked him ah master why couldn't we do it and the bible says that he said this what kind doesn't go out except by what prayer and fasting when jesus encountered that boy it was a one second what deliverance session but jesus has spent all night already praying so it seemed as if he had escaped process but you need to understand where was jesus coming from he had done the process he had done what the process already so there are certain things here it doesn't matter how anointed you are process if the process god is taking you through is called dependency on him <laughs> and he says that you don't have a job if you like apply if you like let them accept you that job you know enter <laughs> if god says that he wants to teach you dependency eh you can apply it's as if it's as if your your cv is invisible if god wants to teach you and you realize that thing and that's what i'm talking about we talked about purpose and we talked about grace any man of god anybody in the kingdom when you hear a prophecy about you it must tell you the kind of process you're about to go through in case you didn't know let me tell you almost everyone who has a special kind of healing grace there was a, there was one point in time they went through the process of illness there was one point in time they went through the process of what illness any man of god who has the special anointing of prosperity there was a time when they went through the process of what, poverty you see god will do that so that he says that for we have an high priest who has been touched on all points if god wants you to be a minister and the prophet of prosperity and you have not tasted poverty before how can you understand the people you minister to if you haven't touched sickness before how would you know that sickness is really something that is heavy and you can minister in the healing grace if you haven't touched relationship issues and confusion before how would god give you wisdom for relationship for you to rescue others you will trivialize their relationship problems you trivialize their poverty you will say that oh but for you if you've not tasted poverty before you say ah but this one is so simple let your money work for you the person says my money doesn't be working for me sir 
It has been working for me, sir. But I'm not seeing anything. It's called what? Being touched with the infirmity of the people you are sent to. And that is why if you check the call of people that God cherish, and I'm saying it because God cherishes you, the kind of call you have will determine sometimes the kind of process you go through. If you are called to be the one kind of king who, who Jesus Christ will template his kingship to, then you realize that ah, I've been called as a king. I've been anointed as a king. Yet I'm running away. And the people that are their leader are vagabonds. That's the story of David. He was anointed as what? A king. He was meant to rule Israel. And Jesus Christ, when he stepped here on the earth in the flesh, will template his kingdom according to his. And for a long time of his life, he was the leader of vagabonds. They were running away from someone who was an imposter king. And God has called you to be a king. Are you ready to go through the process? Are you ready to go through the process? The process where you be touched with the infirmity of people. And that's where many of us run away from. We don't want to be touched. So we go, ah, so then what is my anointing for? Eh? Father, you called me. What is my calling for? And God is saying that this is a process where you are tasting what the people you've been ministering to, they also feel. And at some point, many people give up. So what I'm saying is that when you get the word of God, there is a point where you need to then invest time. You seek knowledge. You seek understanding into what God has said so that you can run with it. Because if you just receive it and you start running with it, Realize that okay, so God says, So I've ordained you as a prophet to the some people they hear name. God doesn't even say the nations. No, they start running and then they post it on Facebook. So I'm organizing this Friday a prophetic service with your very own <laughs> Hallelujah. God just God was trying to call you, he hasn't even finished call you. <laughs> Has even finished calling you. No, you are gathering people and you are praying with them and you are laying hands. Hey! When you receive something like that, you spend time and seek clarity and you receive knowledge. So that when you are running, it's not easy without knowledge. I, I get what I'm saying. Because I've seen this happen a number of times. I, I remember in Ashesi also came one particular night it says that how many people hear the voice of God? How many people don't hear the voice of God? And few people left. Ah, because he said we prayed. They said I share your revelation. Ah, just one person two people, three people. Ah, he says ah, what's happening? Ah, who can hear the voice? He said people, there's a region. They says pray and say Father let them see you. Open their ears. Let them hear you. Come and see several manifestations walk out from the floor and they could see angels physically right from there the next prayer meeting no while people are leading oh god has shown me something give me the microphone let me share something hey. Hey. your anointing is 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five days old. No, you want microphone. Hey! Hey! Your anointing is two days old. No, you've changed your social media handle. And now you are soliciting for prayer requests. Your, your, your anointing is three days old. One week old. And then now you are telling yourself that you go to your father's house and destroy the idol in his house. Hey! Your anointing is one month old. Now, you say that you don't need a church. You don't need a father. Because God, ah, when you wake up, no, Jesus is here. The angels are here. And there's one at the back there. They bring you tea and coffee in the morning with some pancakes. So for you, dear, one month old anointing. So you don't go to church again. One month old. What you're, you're anointing to sing is just three weeks old. No, you want to be the MD for your choir in your for your for your entire circuit, not even just your branch. Your singing anointing is what three weeks old. Now you want to be appointed the head of all. Meanwhile, you have not been touched with the infirmity of being the one at the background. And then when you join a, a, a choir. And then the MD said that, ah, yes, ah, you can sing, you can play, but you just be at the back and watch. Just hang around and serve. You want to be in the media team and then the only thing they give you is that, yeah, just put on the TV and put it off. And then you do that for five months. And then you are saying that, oh, I, I get what I'm saying. There is what? Process. Process can never be escaped. Before the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, Let there be light, as we want to do. We have to read verse 2, where it says the Spirit of God was hovering upon the waters. He spent, the Spirit of God spent time hovering before God came onto the scene in verse 3, and God spoke. For you, you want to just come and then, before you even speak, you want to whisper. And then things are happening. And you have not spent time hovering upon the face of the deep where there is darkness. Before God could speak light, he had spent time hovering in darkness. Hovering in what? Darkness. Hovering in darkness. You see, Bishop Oyedepo, and you are saying that, Father, You've anointed me with this oil. And then all of a sudden, you want people to come and also be dashing you cars and money and things. And things is not happening. Then you go and tell them, Ah, God told me that you have to give me your car. Hey, is that how he started? Is that how he started? Do you know how he was supposed to give and give and give and give and give? Until people could now what? Give unto him. There is always the process of other side and it shows you what you have to taste. I get to me. I've answered you. So you have to take a step. I'm saying that don't move with zeal without knowledge. Also when you receive an express word of God, don't just run. 
let God finish saying all he has to say. If Jeremiah had just heard that you are called unto a prophet to the nations, he just started running. God will not tell him about all the things and the specifics that he had to do. I get to me. And sometimes, sometimes, this one I'm saying it carefully. Sometimes, God will not tell you everything. You know why? If he tells you, you tell him you will not do again. <laughs> if he told for the specifics, if he told the people of Israel the specifics, if he told Abraham the specifics, you tell him that he will not do again. You called him and said that, oh, you have the anointing. I've called you to be a father of all nations. Then God told him the details, Ankasa. He said, Father, just make you a father of a family. That's all. <laughs> That's all I want. Is enough? A father of all nations. And he didn't know he had it included waitings upon waiting. The Bible says he hoped against all hope. If God had told him the details, he had told him I will not wait. So there are some things here. See, God will not tell you. God will not tell you. God will leave will, will leave you to wallow in your realm of belief and excitement. Because sometimes it's important. You see what I'm saying? It's important. So God will let you wallow in that where you are excited. And it's good. Because if God tells you everything, you tell that I won't do again. I won't do again. I won't do again. I won't do again. Man of God. Had a question. Who else has a question? And you has a question. Okay. Okay, so I want to ask that. Um, so for now, that um, let's say. So I'm not asking how to hear the voice of God because. Um, you know, we have to read our Bible and pray and all those things to hear the voice of God. So now, as you are in that process of getting there, like, about to now be sure you are hearing the voice of God, let's say something comes and you feel like you're supposed to, let's say, sow a seed. Maybe you hear something, but then because you are not yet certain that that's the voice of God, like, how will you trust or, like, should you obey it or not? And maybe you can go to your pastor about it or something. But in, in a case where, um, you see, something like the seed, you need to decide soon because you have to go, you take the envelope and do pray for it. You can now go to the pastor and say, I heard this, is it true or not? So is it that for the time being that you're not sure you're hearing the voice, maybe you should not listen to the promptings you are getting or I don't even know or because or just go ahead or, uh, yeah, because, uh-huh. because if you also go ahead and, and it's not God's voice it's like maybe you are doing something good but then because it's not God who said it then you won't get a reward that you are hoping for from the thing you are doing good then it's like you are wasting your time then to also make you to bring more problems yeah. So, what, what do you... Okay. Let me see if I'll summarize your question. So, your question is, so you are not sure yet what the voice of God is. 
And there are certain situations where you like you must make a decision right then. Then, now if you don't make the decision, then you are just being laid back. There's also the point where you then also take a step, and then in that case it's like it wasn't sponsored by God, so then you are left on your own. Correct? Let me answer it this way: God is not afraid of you making mistakes when it comes to Him and you. I come see. God is not afraid of your unsureness. God is not afraid of that. Of your unsureness. What God doesn't like is when you doubt him. I get what I'm saying. But if you don't understand what something, you don't understand what, what is happening or what God is saying, God is not afraid of you asking him to explain. Other than that, he will not have taken his time to prove himself to Gideon. If you check the call of Gideon, you, you realize that it was an angel that came to Gideon. At the end of that encounter, he knew it was an angel because he brought the angel food and the angel was caught up in the flame of that food and he vanished. And he was wondering why he didn't die. Yet when God told him to take a step, the same way he had heard, he asked God that, Father, let me put a fleece down and then let it rain all around but let not this fleece be wet and God did it and he says okay you've answered me now let me do it again let me put a piece of fleece down let it rain only on this and let every other place be dry and God decided to what? do it I am saying so God is not afraid of you trying to get to know him more the Bible says that for God is what a rewarder of those who what diligently seek him if you are seeking for something it means that you would by all means go to a place that the thing is not there I get to me but there is what a genuineness in seeking that God doesn't mind enduring or let me put it in a better way accommodate for you to build a level of trust and understanding of who he is I can see so there are things that God you would definitely have to start with praying reading your Bible things like that there are certain things that before you get to a place where you have to make a critical decision there are certain times that God will give you promptings for things that are not so quote-unquote critical and your way of responding to them would confirm whether you are getting to know God's voice clearer or you are making a mistake there are certain times that you will come into a particular service maybe those who are beginning to get the grace of the prophetic God will whisper something to you ah, then you are saying that ah, is it my mind or so they realize that oh the man of God picks the microphone and says the same thing I guess me. I guess me. It's like it's not so critical. Before God will bring you to the place where you have to then trust Him on that critical thing, you would have to then work on you getting to know His voice. And a lot of time, people ask these questions when it comes to um, relationship and marriage. That okay, I have to make a decision concerning is this guy the guy for me or is this guy the guy for me? 
how did I hear when God said that this one is for me? You have to ask yourself, ah, how have you been hearing all along when God is telling you about other things? Why is that when it comes to relationship there, now and there is special? So God has to use it a different way. God has been speaking to you already, unless you have not been minding him already. And then now you want him to speak concerning what you call critical. I get him. I get him. If you read the book of John chapter 10, the verse number 4 and 5, he says, For my sheep know my voice. Are you the sheep of God? Did you say that you know his voice? No, you didn't say it. It's the shepherd that said it concerning you. It's the shepherd that said says the shepherd he says my sheep they know my voice the sheep never said that i know the voice of the shepherd it's the shepherd that said it concerning the sheep that means that by default god has a way of talking to each and every one of us by default by default god has a way of talking to each and every one of us there are certain times where he then wants us to explore other options and that's when he begins to be silent in one way and begins to give you promptings in another. And that way, they need to go through the process of what? Learning to know his voice. I know what I'm saying. When it comes to the issue of seed, that one, I want to talk about it slightly. Because, because of the spiritual implication of running to the front to take an envelope that she wants to give to God. Because when you do that, you make a vow unto God. Now, Apostle would say that when you get a prompting like that, right, don't look at your circumstance. Because usually, when it comes to seed in particular and giving, usually what is the real core of the problem is whether you can fulfill your obligation or not. Except you are not genuine. And now one day it's a different case. But I believe that that's not the kind of people we have here. So it's like, okay, they've called for a particular amount. Now when you do the calculation, and even do forecast analysis, <laughs> it will take you a while to fulfill that scene. But you have to realize that when you get a prompting like that, you need to look at it with the eyes of faith. Right? Now, when you go and then, for instance, take a seed or pledge that I want to give to this particular thing, the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. So far as you've told God that you want to sow this, when he gives you the resources, you need to know that you are a sower and not the eater. If you told God that you were going to be an eater, what he gave you was bread. But if you promise God that you will sow, what he has given you is what seed. I get it. So there are certain times that you go based on faith and you take an envelope and it will take you a while to fulfill it. I get it. Now, whilst you are doing that, God will definitely be sponsoring it. There are certain times you have money on our ways. But you have to realize that, oh, I'm a sower now. So you don't go and chop the money and say, Father, give me money that is dedicated for this. I know what I'm saying. One thing that I learned is that when there is something you want, and Apostle also says that a lot, if there is something you want, right, 
and God gives you something that is not what you want, then what you have received is a seed. You want God to bless you with one million dollars and God has just given you hundred dollars. That is not what you ask God for. That means there's a seed. So it. You want God to give you a particular kind of powerful car and then by God's grace, your family was able to get you something to manage. I get what I'm saying. It's not what you ask God for. It's a seed. I get him. I get him. If God, if you ask God for something and you've not gotten that, you've not gotten that, anything you have received from God in the meantime, that's something that I, I learned. I remember one time, one time, I was asking God for money for rent. Hallelujah. And then by some ways, I got some money be. The time rent was going to be like I think 18,000 cities or so. And then I got a check of about 10,000. I remember I was sitting in the car. That was the time that KCF was looking. Before we moved to um, East Airport, we were raising money to find our place. And we were raising money to get a place. I mean, that at that time. I said, Father, this one, can we even pay the rent? And God whispered to me that this is not what you asked for. So then they succeed. And God said that at that time, I was looking for money for rent and my church was also looking for money for rent. And I was looking at this envelope. Because I already knew that this money is not going to my account. But that delay was to try to convince God. I was just looking at the check like this. Just looking at the check like this. Just looking at the check like this. I believe I, 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 if I pray to God, I, I, ended up, I ended up weeping and say, Father. Because <laughs> at least I've saw something halfway. I get it. I saw something halfway. And then I just went. When those things, sometimes you just have to do it quickly. Otherwise, you, you realize that, hey, you are very, very persuasive. You can persuade yourself out of the will of God. That's why when God told Abraham that go and sacrifice your son, he didn't even bother telling him, he says, Abraham. He says that early in the morning, he just took the boy and went. Because he had given himself a few hours. Oh, he would persuade himself out of it. Just went to the bank. Dropped it. By God's grace, when it came to time, it came time for us to pay the rent. We found a place. Because at the end of it, it was even my father's place. Something that we didn't even think that even existed. It was not one of our options at all. And from that time, from that time till now, no paid rent. From that time till now, no paid rent. From that time till now, no paid rent. But that money, when I when I received the check in my head, I knew that oh, this one at least rent is sorted to a particular extent. So until you can trust God at the things that are critical, the other things that's what that's what the man of God was saying. That there are certain things that God knows about you, but He still wants you to tell Him. I guess you mean. There was a, there was a, I read, I remember I heard a testimony of one man of God when God was trying to build His reliance on hearing His voice clearly. And for a particular period of about three months or so, until God tells him the dress to wear or the shirt to wear, he will not wear anything. He waited on God 
continue hanging until God will tell him, pick this shit and wait. Now, at that point, he had built confidence. Now, when God tells you that, ah, this person is called this, and this person has this issue, and this is the way I'm going to solve it, you trust it because you've already trusted God concerning your dressing. I guess me. If you can trust God concerning and asking God, if you can start that, trust God and ask God, Father, so today what should I do? And God will tell you what you do in the day. Then it will be easy for you to trust God when he tells you concerning life-changing events, concerning marriage, concerning the change of job, concerning where you live, concerning whether you go there or you go to this country. I get me. So that's it. But for it comes to money, right? Sometimes your projections, if you look at your pocket, there are some things you can never give on to God. And sometimes eh, you need to give your way out of what you don't have. Let me say it again because you didn't hear me. Sometimes you need to give your way out of what you don't have. There was a man of God who wanted a particular house. I believe it is um, Reverend Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans. And he kept, anytime he got a smaller house, he kept, anytime he kept it, no, he just gave it out. He just gave it out. His entire family money was published until God gave him what he was looking for. So, anytime you receive something that you've asked God for something, what you've gotten right now is not what you want. Most of the time, it's a seed. The seed is always smaller than the harvest. So, you ask God for 20 million billion 100,000 000, 000, 000, 000, 000. And God gives you 1,000. That 1,000, it can solve one or two things. But it can't do the real thing you want to do. So it's 1,000. It's just a seed. I get me. And, some, and sometimes you have to be, also be careful and strategic when you are praying. So you want God to bless you with a house. Right? Then you do that. Okay, so your ministry also is building something. Then the seed you sow is the element for building the house. It's not just money. I get it. There are some cement blocks that you can organize. Organize that. Because sometimes, you see, sometimes when you buy some things, it's not as much as when you are giving the money. I get me. That's why I told you early on that you look at what you sow to receive the supernatural. When Elijah wanted the rain, he gave God what? Water. I get me. That is what he sold. So you look at that. I get you know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Have I answered you? I don't know if I've answered you. I've answered you. Okay. Any other question? Then we'll be out of here. Okay. Thank you, Bishop. Um, so my question may be a bit off target, but I wanted to find out the miracle that Jesus did turning water into wine, right? I realized that this has always been a question on my mind, that people sometimes use it as a justification for consuming alcohol. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to understand. Okay. Anybody who tells you that Jesus turned water into wine, so you must drink alcohol, ask the person, did he taste the wine that Jesus produced? was the person that master the ceremony. Did they tell you that it was alcoholic wine? 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Did they tell you? Anyways, but on a more serious note, right? Now, there are certain things that you get to you get to realize. See, one of the things that Paul said is that there are some things don't engage in debates, debates about genealogies, fables, things like that. He tells his servant that and his son, don't engage in that. If you want to do anything evil, if you are already purposed in your heart, you can find any evidence in scripture to back you. You can find any evidence in the scripture to back you. If Reverend Ella was here, he would tell you, the day we had the Teshi Gala in Teshi, hey, someone was telling me about the justification of weed. And in the scripture he was using, he said, and Moses sent a dove, and the dove went out and plucked a leaf. That was marijuana leaf. So marijuana and weed was from Noah's time. <laughs> Evangelist of Rastafarian uh, 2013 at Nyanyanu. It's a village, a fishing village. Yeah. He quoted and buttressed the reason why he smokes weed from the book of Psalms. So if you want to do what you want to do, you find whatever reason to do. There's, if you come back, you come back whatever evil activity with the Bible. You come back it. I get to me. I get to me. And if you check the dark, what the, the period we call the dark ages of the church, when the people who were called by God to be lights were doing horrific demonic things, their inspiration was the word of God. And they carried the word of God as an instrument for evil. I can see. So, for there are some people, they are not looking for an answer. There are some people, they are not looking for an answer. It doesn't matter what you say to them, they will not change. I know what I'm saying. If they've purpose in their heart to whatever, no matter what you tell them, they'll use their Bible as their reference. I get me. And that's where there are some things I'm seeing that there are some things you don't engage in because it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Now, there are people who would also then have a genuine heart who want to know. And then in that case, you then explain to them. So if the Bible says that wine is a mocker, if before you talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, it starts with the advice to the son. And he was telling him about things to avoid. And he was telling him about those who drink. It says, woe unto you, nation, if your kings or your child, your king is a child, or your princes, they eat for sports, they drink by heart. You check the book of Daniel, and then the entire judgment that came to Nebuchadnezzar's grandson or son was because he spent his time drinking foolishly and then praising the God of iron. And then God decided to bring judgment. Didn't God write all of that part of the Bible also? Then why would then, then the New Testament say, do not be filled with wine? wine in excess. I guess me. So you can pick any aspect of the word of God and justify whatever you want to do. But then for people who want to know, then you need to then lay it out for them. 
for them to what? Understand. In that case, you are teaching them so that they will know. But those who are already made up their mind and what they want to engage in is a debate. There is really, 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 really very little that you can do by arguing back and forth with them. They will remind really not do anything. Have I made sense? Have I answered? Yeah, sure. Any other question? We'll be out of here soon. Okay. Man of God. What's your name? Steven. Hello. Hi. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to ask, what happens if you don't fulfill your purpose? What happens if you don't fulfill your purpose? Like what happens? <laughs> wow. Hey, man of God, that's right. <laughs> I answer this question with a question. What happens to, let's say, you went, you went to buy a phone, and that phone doesn't um, accomplish its purpose? The phone will not call. What pictures happens? to the picture, the phone will not take the pictures. What would you do to it? <laughs> For me, I'll return it. Oh, you return it. He knows the answer. He knows the answer. He's swerving it. You throw it away. What of God? You throw it away. You know, you know, you know, you bother. I get to me. On your life, there is no risk, there is no return policy. There is no warranty period. Right? Out of in heaven. What happens in heaven? What if you can what? In heaven. In heaven. What will happen in heaven? Yeah. I didn't hear your question. Sorry, say it again. Like, have you seen so you've been assigned a purpose and like you've not fulfilled it and you die and you're in heaven. Like, what happens to you? Like, yeah, so that's... Okay. So, okay. Okay. so the thing is this. When you become born again, you have life, right? But having life is not fulfillment of purpose. That's one thing you need to understand. When you become born again, you have been, you have received life now. So I'll, I'll put a new, I'll take your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. If you say, if, uh, John 16, for God's love, you have only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you come into Christ, you've, you've come into life now. You are alive. That's why it's nice out. As newborn babes, that is the same of the word that you may go thereby. So when you have life, you have not fulfilled purpose. You have actually now been introduced into the arena. The next stage is to grow. God will never ensure purpose to a child, a baby. Babies are not sent to fulfill assignments of kingdoms. It is princes. Those who are matured. So you'll be groomed. That's how come Bishop was saying that don't be, God is not scared of your mistakes. What he doesn't like is when you doubt him. And it's true because me growing up as a prophet, I had made mistakes. And Holy Spirit will say, well, it's fine. I go to Holy Spirit and you correct me. And the things I have learned, there was a period where I couldn't see anymore. For one month, I couldn't see. And I was scared. I thought I had sinned. I prayed and I found out that I was, I was now hearing with my ears. A time came, I wasn't hearing with my ears anymore. And I, I got scared again. And I went, one of the hospital came to me and I said, son, you asked me for this. And I could now smell. 
Now, after all that, so going to see, we're not born again to go to heaven. Our Christianity is not for heaven. It's for kingdom. Do you understand? That is why God, Christ, there's a prayer that Christ prayed to this, that shocked me the first time I saw it. When he prayed to the Father, I did not desire for them to be taken from the earth. When I read, I was like, are you kidding me? Christ told God, I had no desire for them to be taken from the earth. It's like, huh? Why don't you come to die on the cross then if you don't have to leave the earth? When you go to heaven, something will happen. You're not being, our judgment is not about life because we already have life. That's how come Christ will not judge the dead because they're already dead. So the sheep and the goat judgment is not unbelievers. The goats are not unbelievers. The goats are believers. The sheep are believers. Okay, no, 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 say that way. Let me, let me put that others. I'll make my matter a long story. In Timothy also, you will go through the fire, but when your works are bent, you make it to heaven as one making it through fire. Which means that you make it to heaven, but when you go to heaven, you have nothing to show for it, because in heaven, our works is our ticket to our inheritance. Our works follow us. That's how I come say the words. Do not store treasure where rust and moth can attack, but store up your treasure in heaven. Why will God have to store your money, your treasure in heaven, if there will be no use for treasure in heaven? There's an economy in heaven. And the, your life you live there, your accuracy in fulfillment of God's assignment for you will determine the treasure that is laid up there. You get it? But when you don't fulfill purpose on this earth, because you have life, you will make it. But when you stand before the king, he's going to try everyone's life by fire. And says, some made it as though escaping through fire. So you will still make it. But guess what? I'll make a statement because it's heavy. Now, Bishop, it's Bishop's the one who can make it because Bishop will show you from Genesis to Revelations all that they say. The national teeth and all that's known. It's okay. But, but, but like, as it, do you understand? If a salt, on this earth, if salt loses the saltiness, it is thrown on the ground. You get it? So if you miss a purpose in life, you are eternally useless. But it doesn't mean that because you miss your purpose, God is going to take his life from you. Because John 3 said that whoever believes in him will not perish. The lake of fire is perishing. Hell is perishing. Christ has saved us from perishing. But salvation is not the end. It is the beginning. And I'll end this with a vision I had years ago. It was like 2012 or so, 2013. I had a vision I saw myself stand at the door. And Christ was the door. And then when I entered the door, I saw Christ again inside. But this time he was in all white. And he held my hand. And we were going. And I saw a city very far. But at each stage, we were just going on a journey. And then when the vision ended, and I, uh, the vision was in two. I saw another person was at the door. Just kept looking at the door. And then the Lord was like, Being, salvation is not the end. My death and resurrection on the cross is not the end. It was a beginning. 
And many people get stuck at only being born again. They are the door. They are born again. So that's it. But that's how I can say what? If you are born of the Spirit, you are born of water. What? You will enter. If you are only born again, you will see. We are not called to be see only. We are called to enter, to engage and manifest the realities. Do you understand? But if you leave this earth, you say you won't fulfill purpose. Because eternity is eternal. And, you, and you'll be eternally poor. That's a sad thing. Yeah, it's not like here that... Like, I don't think there was a second chance when you make it to heaven. So, labor now while it's day. Hallelujah. So let me just read... Oh, can put your hands together. So let me just read just so that you understand where I think what the verse that the man of God was, was, was quoting. From 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, Who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? But minister through whom you believe. Um, let me just jump. Um, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Then it says, For no foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Then the verse 12 says, But if anyone builds on this foundation, which is the foundation of Christ, right? The foundation of salvation. It says, With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. It's a capital D, day. For the day will declare your works. Then it says what? Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Then it says, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Then it says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself would be saved, yet as though through fire. I what I'm saying. So, things that, as the man of God is saying, you would get life. You will get salvation. But then, your works follow you after. If you read the book of um, Revelation chapter 20, and the verse number 12, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. There is one book of life. That's what guarantees your salvation. It's your name in the book of life, not the books of life. It's your name in the book that's salvation. But then the Bible says, And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in their books. I get to me. So there is a book of life. That's the first thing that they check. That's like the attendance record. So is your name in the book of life? If your name in the, is not in the book of life, then there's no need to check the other books. If your name is in the book of life. Okay, so you enter into heaven or you enter into salvation. Then the non come. There's a judgment that is meant for people who are in heaven. The people who are not going to heaven, their judgment is already won. They are already cast away. 
into hell. And that one is a waiting room until you are cast into the lake of fire. That is the proper this transit. You know when you are traveling somewhere and then you take transit somewhere and then sometimes you can spend a few hours or even a night in the hotel. In the, If you don't get a hotel, they sleep in the airport on those uncomfortable cold chairs. Uh-huh. That is hell. It's a transit. And then the real thing is the lake of fire. But if you've made it into heaven, then now the book of life tick. Then the Bible says, and other books were open. Now, that is the part that you need to then pay attention because if the Bible says that you give an account of everything, they need to really, really understand. It's not just even what you are doing. You are given time. You give an account of time. You are given a friend. You are given a friend. You are given a brother. You are given a sister. It's a resource. You give an account of that friend. You talk about what you do with that friend. You were given an opportunity to study in school. You give an account of that education. You were given an opportunity to go to work somewhere. You were given an opportunity to do an internship somewhere. You got a big whatever. You were given an account of that. It says you give an account of your life. So it's not some whole thing that is just, oh, did I do things in church properly? It says an account of your life. You were given time. You were given resources. God sent people into your life. You give an account of them. I am saying, and it is in that where you then get your reward. So the reward you get in heaven, what determines whether you are in the East Lagoon of heaven or in the Zungos of heaven is dependent on your works. I guess me. Jesus said that I go to prepare a place, right? And when I'm done, for in my father's house there are many mansions. Ever since he went 2,000 years ago, he's still preparing the place. There are some people like, hey, they are polishing your Zongo houses. <laughs> some people, hey, they are polishing your mad houses. <laughs> it's mad house that you get. A heaven standard. Hallelujah, yes. There was one man of God, Rick. It's not Rick Jagger. Is he? The one that talked about the the mountain experience. No, not, not just that. This was a book. Uh, and it was, it was Rick Joyner. The vision about the mountain. Um, it was the name of that book. He said, Final Quests. Yes. In that book, he encountered some people who were, quote-unquote, in an, in an arena which looked like it was the presence of God. And they were far away from God. Right? They were far away from God. And he decided to ask them why they were far away from God. And then God began to tell, and then he began to explain to them. For them, one of the reasons why they were far away from God was that they were off purpose. Kra! Kra! There was one man of God and a wife that he met. They were in heaven, but they were off purpose when they went in error so much that they were about to lose their salvation God out of mercy killed them so that at least they will go to heaven but then they were far away from the presence of God and that is where the last two Sundays or so apostles said that when you go to heaven the things that you didn't learn you are not going to learn again so they were now being taught the things that they were supposed to have known that will draw them close to God the people who are close to God are the people look exactly like him. When you are out of purpose, you realize that you don't look like him. You are very far away from him. So sometimes out of mercy, 
according to that particular revelation, God took them out of the earth. And I'm sure you can imagine their funeral. You can imagine their funeral. They will say that, oh, we've lost a great man. A general in the kingdom is dead. So that, oh, he wrote these books. He did these crusades. Meanwhile, his death was God showing mercy so that he has lost all his works. He has lost all his impact in heaven. God killed him out of mercy so he doesn't lose his soul. I get it. Last question, then we'll pray and then we'll be out of here. Daniel. Thank you very much. Um, so I wanted to ask about... Yes. So when you were teaching us, right, you mentioned something about how if we haven't accepted um, Jesus Christ as the master of our lives and all of that, and then you said something about how has Jesus, like, accepted our invitation? So I'm just wondering, does that mean that Jesus will reject our invitation? If he will, why would he do that? Because I thought, like, he was all loving and everybody should come to him, so. Hallelujah. Has God accepted your invitation to the banquet of your life? It's not every place that God is. Anywhere God is not welcome, he will not come there. It's true that God is omnipresent. But there are some places that God will not go. To get a clear example, if you read the story in the book of the Songs of Solomon, where the lover was being chased by the where the beloved, that's the lady, was being chased by the lover. The Bible says that at one point in time, the lady says that my beloved comes, he was at the door. He knocked and then quickly she opened the door, whatever it is. Then there was another time that says she didn't open the door because she had prepared herself and she was ready to sleep. I get me. Then say that there was knocks on the doors and on the windows. When she finally decided to open the door, says, my beloved was nowhere to be found. I get me. Then I went out into the streets looking for my beloved. And it says, I encountered the watches and they beat me and several, several other things. I get me. A few verses or chapters before, he had found the beloved. And even the people that in this time around were saying that they beat him, they were those who even helped him find the lover. Now, If you are really, really, really connected to God and you are going off track, God will tell you. I can see. And when, and that's why um, one thing that Apostle keeps saying is that if God really loves you, that is when He will tell you that you are wrong and He will rebuke you and will whatever, whatever. When God becomes silent on your matter, you need to understand that you are no longer valuable to Him. I get me. Now, in that particular sense, what I'm saying is that if you've purposed in your heart that whether God is in this or not, it doesn't bother you, then there is no need inviting God because he will not come. He will only come where he's welcome. I get to me. So, if God knows that you are throwing an invitation to God to come and help you, let's say, in the area of a relationship, and you now, you already know that you've made up your mind. What is God going to say for you again? That's what I meant by has God accepted your invitation? But if you are willing 
to accept what God will say. And that is why sometimes there are certain situations, like apostles will say that you go and catch a bed, you would defer the bed and come and ask him, what kind, what kind of bed is this? I got what I'm saying. You've already gone to catch your bed. You've deferred the bed. Then you come to, hey, what kind of bed is it? You've already gone to tell somebody that you like the person. You've, you've purposed in your heart that, oh, this person now that you want. They come and ask your shepherd, oh, this guy, is he the will of God? No, don't, don't come and ask that question. You see, and that's what one, the man of God was saying, that we have to be sincere with our relationship with God. There are some things that God knows. See, when you, when you, when you, like, when you like a particular girl, right, and you, you already know you like the girl, and you are praying about it, don't go and pray and say that, Father, show me who the one is. What, what kind of deception is that? Tell God that, Father, see, I like this girl, right? I like, if you, if you leave me on my own, I like her. But, Father, I'm not sure. So, I want you to help me. That one, God will answer. This is, you come to God and you are saying that, Father, who is the one? And you are praying that God doesn't descend that there is someone that you already like. God is not going to mind you. I can say, you, you, yes, you give yourself dreams. So if you've already told God that if there's a particular, and, and, and that's, that's one of the things that we must do when there's that's sincere, there are two jobs offers, there are two school offers before you. You like one. By default, there is a way that you'll be inclined to one already. Don't go and ask God that what is your will concerning my job? What is your will concerning my education? Tell God that, Father, there are two options. I like this one. But I don't know if it is your will. So help me. Whatever you say, I'll go by it. So if God tells you that what you like is not the one, you know that it's not self-imposed. And if you also hear that what you like is what God also has given to you, they know that you are walking in that way. But when you go and it's like you are trying to hide, you are trying to hide, and then when you are praying, you have been trying to actively block your mind from having that image of the of the job, having that image of the girl. Because if God can, if you think about it, God will see in your mind that you are thinking about this one. So you are actively blocking your mind. No, you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. When Jesus was at the cross, he told his father point blank that, hey, I knew that you told me that I should come and save these people. Hey, but if I get this cup, I will not drink. He told him. He didn't pretend as if, oh, Father, what is your will concerning this cup? What is your will concerning this cross? He said, if I get, I will not, I will not, if I get, I will not die for them. If I get, I will not die for them. Then he says, but I'm not sure, so you let your will be done. I get it. But if you go in there, you are saying, oh, you already know that you like this girl. You are telling God, Father, Father, show me my wife. Now that prayer card there, we must even stop praying in the church. We should have stopped that prayer long ago. I mean, I, I don't think... You don't pray about you don't pray that prayer, right? And we don't ah, show me my so let me ask you a question. If God shows you, God God shows you that Doris is your wife, and so what? How would that information benefit you? No, ask yourself that question. 
Seriously. You are praying, Father, show me my wife. And then God shows you that this girl is your wife. How would that information benefit you? What, what would that information do to you? But I rather need to start asking. If God has told you that this person is for you, they need to now start dealing with things in prayer. Concerning her family, concerning your family. See, there are certain foolishness in men and women there. Eh? They only get revealed after the ring is on. Hey! They will only be revealed. Oh, you will never see it. It's always hidden at the pawns until you put a ring on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, you don't understand me now. You know what they say? You don't understand me. You understand me very soon. <laughs> you understand me very soon. So, instead of praying that Father show me who my wife is, who my husband is, you already know. If not for anything at all, you have your life and your family. You can see a trend. You start dealing with that already. The things that show up in the men of my family when they get married, Father, I put it. The things that would cause my wife's family, you don't know the person, but you are praying already for her. I as in, I'm going to ask God, Father, show me my wife. Then some people come and ask, ah, Apostle, I had a vision being, ah, if you check, ah, is this guy my boss? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that information, it will not benefit you. But pray, you see, anything you engage in, as one of God is saying, salvation is not the end. We are here for a kingdom mandate. If you can link every aspect of your life, everything that God gives you as a way of advancing the kingdom, you realize that things will be easy for you. Because the Bible says that seek ye first the kingdom. So even if you are talking about marriage, you are seeking about the kingdom in your marriage. How would my marriage benefit the kingdom? You need to get to a point in time where you don't marry because you are in love. You are not going to marry the girl because you are in love. God is saying that for this particular assignment for the two of you, you need to marry now so that you will be prepared to do this and this in the kingdom. You are married because, not because you are in love. Not because you are in love. If you've ever organized a wedding or planned a wedding, realize that at the time when you are planning the wedding, there is nothing like love. What sustains you is hope. <laughs> what sustains you is hope. And, and that's why I mean, if I get a chance here, anybody who is going to get married, I'll recommend you do a wedding. A wedding. That's when you realize communication, more communication. And then you'll be fighting over the choice of green. <laughs> the shade of green. Mm. Anyways, hallelujah. You understand me so far? Anything concern your life, when you're talking about your education, when you're thinking about, you see, man, that's what, and that's, you see, that's, if you, if you actually check the kind of prophecies where the, where people, where the man of God will give you in details, you realize that anything that God is giving you, eh, it is for a kingdom project. Like God tells you that you are going in school to a different place. He would always add and that you meet these people and these people, they begin to introduce them to God. But most of us, when we get it, that was it. That was it. What that means, Saka, Minsaka, Minsaka, Minsaka. You forget. 
realize that sometimes when God is taking you to a country, a particular place, there is always, always a kingdom agenda. Always a kingdom agenda. But for some of us, we don't see that. But if you can begin to focus on God's agenda, you will quickly sponsor what you desire. Quickly sponsor. Because he said, seek ye first the kingdom and all others. We struggle so much in getting the others and we neglect the kingdom. But seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. When you're going to think about the kind of career where you have to work, it's always the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. There was a particular point in time I wanted to leave Ashesi. I didn't even want to be in Ashesi when I was like to be an FI in the first place. And I knew her, I got prompted me that I should stay. And I said, Father, this one I don't like. And to prove to you that I don't like, I'll not sign up for national service. To prove to you that I'll not do this thing, my hostel, then I give it out. I helped the person come and see my landlord and I let the person buy and get the place. Say, Father, so if you ask me to stay, there is no place that I'll stay. There's no way. And then the national service, oh, I ignored it. Those who want to be FIs and I apply, oh, I didn't mind them. The list went. And then he said, okay, so who wants to do I want to do an internship with my professor, some robotics, one or two robotics thing. Just did the thing, two months internship, so I was done. But I turned realized, okay, then they extended it. But I turned realized, no, then we've entered into the new semester. My name was not part. But I didn't realize, no, they said, I'm an FI. Say, but I didn't register. Then they now went to national service to go and do the change and change and change. And I changed. The people who wanted to do their national service, they said, ah, but Daniel, they didn't do the thing. I said, hey, don't, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 come and worry me. I said, I didn't register, but I was here. They left and went, and I'm still there. <laughs> Those who wanted to do the national service, they left. In fact, it's not like they left. I mean, they've gone. They finished the national service. Those who wanted, they loved Ashesi so much. They finished the national service and they went. Me that I didn't want to do it, I'm still there. I'm still there. I get to me. I don't see. So if you are focusing on kingdom agenda, and that is how I've gotten to know some of you. Valerie, for instance, there was a time that I didn't have work. She come and sit to my office. When she comes, I say, where's your Bible? She didn't read the Bible. Go to the corner. I'm going to read. Did you go and pray? Did you pray? Go to the corner. I'm going to pray. When you finish praying, then come and let's talk. That's how I got to know Dede Nako. That's how I got to know Jessica and things. Because at that time, there was at that time there was really nothing to do. And I we that's when we f- freshly moved into the engineering building. So it was a big IT office. I'm saying big because at that time, if you, you should have seen the old IT office. The old IT office, if you go there right now, that place is spacious. The very, very old IT office, there were servers already in there. There was no space. Students were not welcome there because students didn't have seats. There were only two chairs. And when the head of IT comes, one person has to get out of the office for the head of IT to sit down. That's what I'm talking about. So when we moved into the engineering building, it was a big space. And there was no one there. And that's when students would begin to line up academic issues, relationship issues, leadership issues. 
I said, ah, so father, am I here to be an IT officer or a counselor? <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what I got to do with most of you. I get to So when you think about kingdom first, God will begin to sponsor certain things of your life. Hallelujah. Let's be on our feet. If I ask again, who has a question, we'll go on further. If you have a question, bring it to the next session. Put your hands together for the Lord. So just in case all the questions and the plenty talk and diversions have confused you, what we are talking about is accessing grace for God's purpose. Purpose is the hidden foundation for destiny manifestation. Purpose is assigned. You don't choose your purpose. Purpose is assessed or it is marked by the one who gave it. And for purpose, you don't easily see it. So it must be what? Revealed. In the case of the of Jesus at the wedding, you need to invite Jesus, the personification of grace, into your life before wine runs out of your life. If you haven't done that yet, that first invitation of accepting Jesus to be your savior, you are running a lost course already. He first needs to be there. Are you getting me? And then whatever purification that needs to go on for your mindset to change, you need to allow it to change. Any mindset of inferiority complex. Many people in the church, because they've heard about pride, 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 they think it's humble to look down on themselves. Many people think they are very, very spiritual. When they say that, oh, you can't do it, and they say, oh, me, I can't do it. It's not spiritual. It's, it's not spiritual. And I, I need to clarify. It's not spiritual for you to look down on yourself. It's actually pride when you tell God that you can't do what he says you should do. I get to me. So that kind of purification needs to happen. You might have a water pot mentality, but God says that you should hold wine. You must hold wine. And sometimes you can do all that you can. At the end of it, your efforts cannot achieve anything anymore. And that is where you need grace. Total reliance on grace. I cannot overemphasize it. A grace-sponsored destiny. Grace-sponsored living. You see, if you understand that your life is sponsored by grace, you never take credit for yourself. And you see, that's why I said, many people in the church, they, they know about pride, so they don't. They think that they don't take credit for themselves. But if you like, check their actions. Check their actions. The people who get things, and then all of a sudden, they stop coming to church. What they've not said, they are demonstrating by their action that they believed in themselves. They didn't believe, they didn't believe or rely on grace. So they get something wrong, then they ignore the church. They ignore the body of Christ. They ignore the assembly of the saints. Hallelujah. So our prayer is simple. That Father, let grace locate me. Hallelujah. Let what? Let what? Let what? You are asking God to, by his grace, reveal purpose to you so that you don't walk out of step with him. 
that you walk in line that you do exactly what he's called you to do that whether it is skill you have whether it is talent you have whether it is a particular training you've had you will leave all that and then you will rely heavily on what grace father show me mercy and let grace locate me open your mouth and begin to pray right now specific areas of their life whether they are in line with him whether they are in his purpose maybe who are wondering if they've made mistakes concerning if it's relationship relationship if it's a job job people are wondering if they've made mistakes and whether they are actually in purpose god is going to give you an answer amen many people who are also seeking clarity for the next decision they need to make God is going to give you an answer. Amen. I want to open our mouth and say, to Father, give me an answer concerning this particular area. Yes, Lord. Any crossroad that I need an express word, Father, give me that express word. Yes, Any question concerning purpose, if I've made a mistake concerning a boy, concerning a girl, concerning a job, concerning a choice in school, if you are wondering, say, Father, give me an answer. Okay. Oh, are you, are you what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's a specific thing, some of you is concerning even certain relationships in your family. And you are asking God for a specific word. You are praying that God give me an answer. By your grace, answer me right now. Lift up your voice and ask God right now for your answer. Thank you for listening. This recording was brought to you by Kingdom Christian Fellowship Ministries. Stay blessed.